going to tackle this question that you have tackled in a book, by the way. Um, how do I know if I really love God? Uh, you know, in your book, it's uh, Do I Love The title of it is Do I Love God? The Question That Must Be Answered. So mm-hmm. we're going to try to walk through this. Now, at first glance, this seems like such a simple question, right? It's like, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. Of course. I love God, but there's more to it than just the intellectual assent, right? That's right. I think people fall into, uh, you say, intellectual assent or certain sort of commitment to biblical premises, uh, which, of course, is the starting point, and I try to underscore that. But the reality is that um, we have to have a life— of love that flows out of what we believe, and we need to have a certain uh, observable commitment to service. And uh, you can actually conceivably have one of those, what I call the like the domains of the heart. So it's the, the mind, the emotions, and the will. Uh, you can actually have a commitment to one of those and not the others. And I think the question remains, do I really love God? Well, uh, if I have that intellectual assent, but I don't have a passion or a love for God and for my neighbor, of course, or I'm not living it out, which I think is one of the big flaws of American Christian faith, <clears throat> is that maybe we will say the Apostles' Creed or make some other you know, theological statement that we believe, but then our life isn't different, right? Our life exactly. hasn't been transformed. Exactly. Exactly. And I guess where you could end up in the weeds on this, though, is introspection here, which is a good thing, but you have to be careful in a way, because then you're suddenly you're like, wow, um, am I doing enough to show that I love God? And then you end up trying to earn His love, and then it becomes works-based. Yes. You know, uh, I've, I've read a lot of the Puritans, and <laughs> of course they get accused of being too introspective, but the reality is if you read what they write, they are always saying, you know, you need to have doctrine and belief, but you have to have love, and then you have to have, you know, actions in the will, Uh, and they want you to look at that, right? They want you to be honest, and of course, that is our daily walk, is asking that question, and oftentimes, uh, people seem to think maybe they miss the uh, gospel of grace, but it's all through their writing, so they always lean on the reality that, yeah, we're going to fall short. It's God's grace. It's our hope, the hope of what Christ has done, you know, on our behalf. That is that is really uh, the foundation. And, of course, that's a theological foundation. Mm. So you go back to, okay, this is true. Therefore, if I'm not always consistent with it, uh, my hope is in God's grace that I believe in that. And I don't fall into, as you said, a pattern of either legalism or performance-oriented. You are, you are home, yes. Rod. Kurt is a huge Puritan fan. We oh, were just talking yeah. about okay. it. Yeah, yeah. It's true. I'm the Puritan on the show. Uh, <laughs> right. Buckles and big hats and all that stuff. It's coming back in eventually. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure we need to. We, we talk sometimes about we say a guy's a modern-day Puritan, so <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, uh, that's maybe my... that's what you are. Maybe you wear normal clothing, you know, of today's culture. But uh, uh, I think yeah. that, uh, just to put another plug in here, seriously, for the Puritans, 
their writings, what a wonderful um, season of time when the Puritans were walking the earth, because they loved God, just like you talked about. They loved God. They knew the scriptures. Uh, they were not, they, they've, they have gotten a bad rap as just being these, you know, sure depressed and very serious and kind of, uh, you know, legal, you know, all this stuff. They were the most joyful people ever, generally speaking. And the literature that we have, you can see it all over the place because they had a joy in the truth of who God is, and they really plumb the depths of it. And and here's another plug, plug alert, Banner of yep. Truth, the paperback, you know, Puritan paperbacks that they have. If you've never read the Puritans right. before, this is a great place to begin because some of their books, yeah, they look very intimidating. And quite frankly, some of them can be like John Owen, for instance. However, these little uh. bite-sized pieces, oh my gosh, you can take like Jeremiah Burroughs and uh, you know, some, yeah. you know, Thomas Watson, these are some of the authors that you should, you know, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment from Jeremiah Burroughs was the first Puritan book I ever read. Uh, mm. You can tell I'm getting wound up here, Rod. Okay, I'll <laughs> yeah, calm yeah. down. Well, that's good. Yeah, Watson is probably my favorite. But I think, you know, J.I. Packer says that they are probably the most committed group of believers, uh, possibly in the history of the church. Nice. And, uh their godliness flowed out of the fact they were saturated with Scripture. And uh, contrary to popular belief, as you say, uh, they actually had parties and had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, they're just uh, stereotyped uh, very poorly in uh, kind of our, or you'll say, our collegiate uh, <laughs> culture. Uh, if you go to college or high school, it's going to be about the sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, mm-hmm. and my goodness. Jonathan Edwards wrote Religious Affections. I mean, that oh, is a book to work through. I love that book. About the emotions, yes, the emotions of the Christian life. And, I mean, the guy really wasn't that emotional, and yet it was um, deep down within him, his passion. And he had some tremendous experiences with God in what we would call a quiet time or devotional life where he would ride his horse out in the middle of nowhere and... and uh fall to the ground as he worshiped Christ and was overcome with his glory. You know, I mean, this guy that would weep and, uh, so yeah, um, it's part of the Christian life. And that to me, again, the domains of the, the mind, the emotion, the will, that is the heart. That is the definition of the heart. Uh, and theoretically you cannot separate them from each other, except that for me, this all started with, recognizing that we, all of us, I think, are imbalanced people. And I did a a, a project, doctor ministry degree project, uh, on uh, balanced discipleship. And so what I tried to build my case for is that some of us gravitate towards the uh, intellect, the theological, the doctrinal. Others gravitate towards the uh, love and playing out of love, and then others are very active, serving, uh, involved, engaged in people's lives and needs in the community. And not only is that each one of us individually, we tend to have an imbalance in one of those areas. And again, in my tradition, in the Reformed tradition, we're the doctrinal, we're the educational, right? Uh, We have the heavy thinkers, the theologians that write the systematic theologies. And I try to tell my students, 
if you're not careful, <clears throat> you'll gravitate toward this, and you will critique these uh, groups, churches, denominations that are out there beating the bushes, meeting people where they are, helping them through their drug addiction, et cetera, and you'll say, they're not very um, accurate with their theological expression. And I'm like, yeah, but they're reaching people that we don't reach. I'm so glad Dr. Rod Culbertson is with us here this morning. He is Associate Professor of Pastoral Theology and Dean of Student Development at Reform Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we are tackling this question, how do I know if I really love God? Well, let's get to these questions, Rod. Let's list them in regard sure. to uh, a diagnostic, if you will, you know, to help us walk through this. Okay, so I need to I need to revisit this in my own life. Three questions can help us. What's number one? The three questions, well, the first would be, do I have proper belief, uh, the proper belief, first and foremost, and this this flowed out of the book of First John, where uh, John, the Apostle John, is dealing with false teaching in the church uh, at that day. It's kind of a universal letter epistle that he's writing, and they're being influenced by false teachers. So his first question is, what do you believe about Jesus? And do you believe that he was truly the Messiah? That is, that he showed up in flesh and blood. And uh, so that's where he starts off even in the very beginning of the book. You know, what we've seen, what we've heard, what our hands handled. Uh, He was real. And so that's the first question. And then I make that into kind of a bigger question. You know, what do you believe in general about, you know, who God is, what salvation is, you know, how does a person become a Christian? All those things that we call in the theological world systematic theology. But, you know, what is what is your core belief? That's the first question. And for me, that's actually the first essential question. If you get that wrong, then you're not going to get much else right. So yeah. I've, I've dealt with Jehovah's Witnesses in the last few years for various reasons, and that's where they just start off wrong. You know, their their views of Christ are not that he is the Son of God. That it is not that he is deity. And so, it, look, they put us to shame when it comes to active service, mm. if you want to call it evangelism. I'm not sure it really is, but going door to door and all that. But they started off wrong. They have the wrong theology. I mean, mm. their theology was condemned in the fourth century. So, yes. but nevertheless, so that's the first question. The second question, of course is, you know, do uh, John will say, you know, if anyone says he loves God, but he doesn't love his brother, he is a liar. So, and I'm paraphrasing that a little bit, but, you know, John is known as the loving disciple, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved, and yet uh, he will boot you out of the kingdom <laughs> in a loving way, if you want to call it that. He's very black and white. You're either in or you're out. And if you say you love God, but you don't love your neighbor, then you're not in the kingdom. So that's a pretty tough, uh, you know, premise there. Uh, so that's the second question. What does my love look like? And is it a, truly a love for God? And if it is, it's got to flow out to, true, you know, love, loving my neighbor as myself. So uh, that's the second question. And, you know, we have to evaluate that. Of course, we, we fail in that area all the time. Mm. We don't want to fail theologically, honestly. I mean, mm. we want to have 
very good, solid doctrine. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, that's why we, we would emphasize education, et cetera. And uh, then the third question uh, is, for John, it's the question of righteousness. It's the question of uh, living in the light and walking in the light, and it's the question of purity. And this is where we have failed miserably in uh, American or Western Christianity because uh, we might check the box that we believe the right thing, or we hope we do. Love is the American idol. Okay, And I put on Facebook not long ago that uh, God is love, but love is not God. Uh, if if love becomes God, then we will actually, in the name of love, fail to do God's will very often. And in our culture, there's no question uh, about it. I mean, I've got a few headlines here in front of me, but uh, we see it all the time that where we live in a culture, righteousness is not a popular word. Yeah, and, uh, sure. you know, we don't want to walk around saying, oh, I'm the righteous one, right? But we hope that our lives will reflect that we believe and love properly, and therefore we're living out a life that is fighting sin, that is uh, serving others, uh, that is uh, active in pursuing your own devotional uh, you know, practices where you're drawing close to God. I mean, all of these things are the, you know, that, what I call that third domain of living it out. So, Yeah, and you know uh, part of this, yeah. too, is we're all growing as believers, so it's not like we come out of the gate, you know, we get all of this, quote-unquote, no. right. right. It's progressive, <laughs> and God's grace meets us at each point along the way. And for those who have a sensitive conscience who are listening this morning, they may be very discouraged by this. They're like, wow, I guess I don't love God nearly enough. You see, God is greater than our hearts, and He understands that we need to grow uh, step by step. You know, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's progressive throughout this life. We never love God perfectly, but that's where we, there again, you referred to this earlier, we we rely upon the gospel. This magnifies Christ, his right. sacrifice on the cross. The concern should be if there is no desire to follow God. My relationship to sin, for instance, yep. when I receive Jesus, is changed. What I love to do, I no longer love to do. I'm not comfortable in my sin. These are things that are a part of sanctification, which is a fancy word for grown to be more like Jesus. Well, that's exactly right. And uh, as you say, it's a, it's a matter of growing, and every not every night, but most every night I'll go to bed and in uh, my prayers. I'm like, I am thankful for the righteousness of Christ, mm. because today I didn't always demonstrate it. I mean, that is a reality. And, of course, in the Reformed tradition, we take our own sin uh, very seriously. Uh, so if we're not careful, we can be too introspective. And as a friend of mine once said, he went to an ecumenical meeting, and someone found out he was a he was the only Presbyterian there, and they found out he was a Presbyterian. And the person said, oh, aren't you all the ones that believe in total depravity? And he said, we not only believe in it, we practice it. We practiced. Yeah. That was yeah. a good response, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we all struggle with our sin. And, you know, perfection, so to speak, is our goal, but we are so far from it. We, we don't even understand how far we are when we say all that's been and falls short of the glory of God. Can we even conceive of the glory of God? Mm. Uh, I'm not sure that we even understand 
You know, we're not even anywhere close to the glory of God, but the Holy Spirit can make us more like Christ, and that's what, you know, that's what we hope for, and uh, it's it's every day, and it's a lifelong process. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, there, there, there was a, there was a scholar who on his deathbed uh, wired uh, one of his friends from Westminster Seminary and said, as he got ready to die, he said, I'm so thankful for the righteousness of Christ. So there was a scholar at one of the finest seminaries, you know, in the world. He's on his deathbed, and it's not about anything he did. It's all about what Christ has done. And that's what we have to always rely on. And as I say, daily, I am uh, reminding myself of that. And I'm reminding myself, of a theological truth, you know, so I'm going back to having that right because my life is not always consistent. And I tell my students in every class, I'll say, well, this is what I think you should do, or this is what the Bible says. I say, but I'm not always consistent with what I should do, (laughs) you know? Uh, And that's just part of, you know, being a sinner and being a human in essence. I mean, it's part of being uh, finite. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that's why we always look to Christ. Amen. I heard the story of a theologian. There are a lot of these stories about theologians on their deathbeds, by the way. This particular story is... This this guy was very, uh, I mean, he was very learned. I mean, he was a really smart guy. Wrote books, I mean, like tons of books. And as he was on his deathbed, allegedly, he said, at least it's reported, he said... Somebody asked him, you know, what what is your comfort now as you're ready to step into eternity? And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right. Well, yeah, yeah I think that was actually Karl Barth, of all people. Um, and yes, uh, 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 Murray McShane, Robert Murray McShane said, for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. And I think that's a very good practice to, you know, that goes back to your question earlier of introspection. Well, we do want to ask those questions at the end of the day. You know, how did I do? Oh, Lord, forgive me for how I didn't do or do well. Um, But it comes back to it's all about Christ and tomorrow will be a new day. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, Lord willing, you know, I'll have a a better day. Amen. Amen. Dr. Rod Culbertson, what a pleasure to have you with us, Rod. And by the way, Merry Christmas to you and your family. You're always welcome to join us here. Yes, I appreciate that.